and she gets the shot, but she doesn't get the point because of the offensive foul. <laughs> what what does that mean? <laughs> I wish you could just see. What does that mean? Christina's face. Hello, 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 hello. We're heating up right now. Mm-hmm. We're about to have a, a really romantic week ahead of us. Yes. Oh my goodness. It's the fun- well, as we record this, Valentine's Day has not happened yet, but when this yeah. comes out, it has happened. So we hope that everybody had a wonderful Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is not only a time for romance with a partner, mm-hmm. it's also admiring your friendships, just letting those you love know that you care about them. It's the time for giving, receiving love in all forms. I feel like I'm on a radio show. (laughs) Yeah, I I was just about to say that. It's like, here at Light 100 Point Christina Mariah, we care about love in all its forms. Your dog could be your Valentine. Let's listen to some Kenny G. <laughs> we fade right into it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, on that note, shall we talk about today's film? Oh yeah, we're heating it up. Mm-hmm. It is like a steaming hot romance. Yes. I don't even know if that sounds like appealing, but <laughs> it is a very steamy film. It's very passionate. Mm-hmm. We're covering the two thousand classic love and basketball yes and a classic it is indeed i watched it Mm -hmm. for the first time actually last year during rom-com february and i logged on to crave and it was on there and it's still on there so if you're in canada you can watch it on crave you can watch it on hbo max in the u.s Mm. as well there you go and I wanted to shout out Cheyenne yes, um, because she recommended this film a year ago. Not a year ago. Didn't she? Okay. <laughs> never mind. But you did recommend it. And like, I think other people have recommended it since. Mm-hmm. But that was like the first time I had heard of the film. Mm-hmm. And we were like super excited to do it for Rom-Com February. Yeah. It's a good one. So we have... Some numbers for you. Boom, boom, boom. Numbers. I bet you didn't know, but you know, um, Christina's actually in marketing, so. (laughs) God. Um, (laughs) The budget was somewhere between 14 and 20 million dollars, and its box office gross was 27.7 million. So it was like a pretty modest success, but its success like really continued even after its box office run and yeah. it ended up making a ton of money later on as well. Yeah, this was a really um inspiring film for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It was picked up by Spike Lee's production company, 40 Acres and a Mule. Love Spike Lee's movies. He is mm-hmm. so talented. And it was written and directed by Gina Prince Bythewood. It actually took her years to get this movie made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of studios thought it was, quote unquote, too soft and were like, oh, we need a scene of like somebody chasing someone with a knife or they wanted to like really sensationalize it. 
Um, That's insane. Yeah, which is super fucked up. And um, I actually pulled a quote from an article called How Love and Basketball Changed the Way Black Audiences Saw Themselves on Screen by Kelly Mm -hmm. L. Carter. And in that article, she says, Love and Basketball was a film that embraced dynamics we weren't accustomed to seeing, a black nuclear family who uplifted academic importance. College wasn't a dream here. It was a given. Yeah, it's really beautiful to see the cliches it's there and there are so many of them in the 90s early 2000s mm-hmm. of like black family life and yeah. like in specifically i'm thinking of movies that are mostly white characters mm-hmm. so it's just yeah great to see like a fully fleshed out um movie being produced yeah definitely and it was also around the time that a lot of other movies that were kind of similar were coming out, like Love Jones or The Best Man, and I think Brown Sugar, which also stars um, Sanaa Lathan, came out maybe a year or two later. So I do think it started to signify a little bit of a turning point yeah. in the industry. Yeah. Also, just have to slip in, I love Kyla Pratt. Okay. Yeah. She really did an amazing job of playing young Monica. Mm-hmm. Does anyone remember The Proud Family? Absolutely. Love the Proud family. Yeah. I was really excited when she showed up. And also, the young um, Quincy is played by the guy from Luck of the Irish. Yeah, I did not. <laughs> it did not click for me that that was the same kid. But yeah, pretty crazy. Some Disney pretty stars. Crazy, for sure. But yeah, we have, you know, as our leads, Monica and Quincy, Sanaa Lathan and Omar Epps. And... Um, Sana actually almost was not cast because they wanted somebody that could play basketball. I think that they yeah. auditioned like over 700 women to play Monica. And um, the director did not want to cast her. They almost mm-hmm. like fired her before like the read through, but they kept her on. And then she like completely blew everybody away. Um, especially her chemistry with her co-star because – they were secretly dating at the time. Uh, I their chemistry is palpable. So, I'm like <laughs> I was like what? When there's a scene we'll get to later on, but I'm like this is steaming hot. Oh yeah, it's uh it's very steamy. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll dive into it for sure. But yeah, this movie was – it was a really big deal. It was huge for a lot of people um, and to this day is still very revered. I believe it has yeah. like an over 80-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. And also um, I believe his name is Roger Ebert. He's like a seminal film mm-hmm. critic. He's like received a Pulitzer mm-hmm. and he gave it a three out of four stars. So Well, there you go. Seal of approval. Yeah. And I guess um, before we dive into it, I'll end with a quote from Chelsea Gray, who is an all-star WNBA point guard who grew up watching this movie. And she said, I think as a kid, we were able to see somebody that we can aspire to be. I think there's a plethora of movies, documentaries, and things that talk about what went on in the men's game, whether it be in the professional or college aspect. But love and basketball hits all parts of life and what women have to deal with when they decide they want to be an athlete. She took a stand. She's not just a woman athlete. She's an athlete. I love that.
Like a game of basketball, this movie is divided into four quarters. So the first quarter we see is, it literally says first quarter on the screen, but it's in 1981. Mm -hmm. So we see the Wright family moving into their new house in LA. And in the script, it literally says it's like the Black Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because especially I feel like at that time, there was still like, if it was like an affluent area, it was like mostly Black affluent families. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like like less mixed like it might be now yeah and i did read that a lot of the like all the houses that they filmed in were real houses that like had black occupants um mm -hmm. they shot at like real high schools all of that nice mm -hmm. yeah so it's a really beautiful neighborhood um a kid walks up to them these kids who are playing horse and quincy's like are you nice all right let's play two on two like yeah We'll, we'll let you on our team. Like, let's see mm -hmm. how you do on the court. And this kid takes off their hat and <gasps> gasp. It's a young <gasps> Kyla Pratt. Oh my God. AKA Monica. And they're shook. They're like, absolutely not. Girls can't play ball. And she's like, Psh, I'm better than you. And so they start to play. Monica scores. We get this amazing basketball montage to Candy Girl. Monica is kicking their asses. Yeah. And she's like, I'm going to be the first girl in the NBA. But Quincy's like, nah, I'm going to be in the NBA and you're going to be my cheerleader. And I'm like, this kid has an attitude problem. <laughs> but in the end, I think they're, um, I think Monica's team is like about to win. Mm hmm. But he ends up pushing her into the grass in order to get the ball. Mm -hmm. And Monica, like, goes face first. She ends up getting a big cut on her chin. Yeah. Later on, read in the trivia that they added this scene because, um, because Sanaa actually has a scar in her face. Yeah, it did not dawn on me while watching this that the reason she says she's going to be the first girl in the NBA is because the WNBA was not yeah. a thing yet. It didn't exist. How insane, right? Yeah. So then we go into the McCall house where um, Quincy lives, and he's making an apology card for Monica. And, you know, his dad comes home from work, mom and dad being all lovey-dovey in the kitchen. And Quincy just, like, ends up throwing the card. He's like, I can't do this shit. And dad is like, what did I tell you about saying that word? And Quincy says, can't should never be in a man's vocabulary. Because when you say you can't, you aren't a man. And the dad's like, that's right. Oh, and also don't swear. Don't do that either. <laughs> So Quincy's mom, Nona, wants them to go over to the Wright house, welcome them to the neighborhood, and also apologize for pushing their daughter down in the grass. Yeah, totally, like, not addressed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the dad's like, no, I can't go. I have a meeting. And clearly there's, like, some tension there where he's always, you know, at work. Um it turns out he is a professional basketball player Yeah, for the Clippers. He just got back from a four-game road trip, and he's like, listen, I only have two years left to play. I want to, like, line some business opportunities up before then, so we're good to go. Yeah, so it just ends up being Nona and Quincy at the rights, and Camille asks Nona how long they've lived there. And she tells her that they moved back when Quincy was five after her husband Zeke got traded. And 
She mentions that the neighbors used to be more mixed until the black family who moved down the street became the black family next door. And she's like kind of just making this joke where she's like, you know, more black families became affluent and were able to live here. But mm-hmm. Camille like doesn't respond. Yeah. You can tell she's like not really a laid back person. She's more like, you know, very poised. Mm-hmm. And um, she thanks them for coming by. She's like very kind. And Nona's like, oh yeah, I love to cook. And Quincy literally looks at her like, you took that out of a box. <laughs> yeah. And... Camille is just like, oh, I made pies and like always cooked for people back home. Like once we get settled, I'd love to maybe begin a cooking business. And Nona's like, that's so awesome. And she says she's never seen the inside of this house. And Camille offers to give her a tour. Yeah. So they hand um, Monica the cake and go off and Monica and Quincy go into the kitchen together. And he asks her why she plays basketball. And she's like, I just do. I simply can't get enough. (laughs) Simply addicted. And he says that he never knew a girl could play and asks, you know, if her dad plays, but her dad works in the bank. And Quincy talks about how his dad plays for the Clippers. And one day he wants to play for them too and Mm -hmm. have the same number as his dad. And Monica's like, well, I'm going to be number 32 like magic. And he's like, oh, sure. My dad could take him. Pretty bold claim. (laughs) Yeah. So they kind of like go back and forth talking about magic stats and like his dad's stats. And, you know, Quincy starts to really gain some respect for Monica because she knows what she's talking about. And he's Mm -hmm. like, well, if anyone tries to mess with you, just talk to me because I run this street. I'm like, (laughs) you're a child. (laughs) You are 11 years old. And um, Monica's like, well, if anyone messes with me, I'll just tell my sister Lena. And he's like, well, you know, my father taught me how to fight. And they end up like having this little like kick off where they're showing each other how well you they know, can kick. You know when you were a kid and you'd be like, I can kick higher than you. Like look at my like karate <laughs> kick. And you'd be like. Pow, pow. Yeah. Uh, it's very cute. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that as if like me and Phil don't like do that in like our <laughs> living room. Like. Pow, pow. Um, yeah. You know, when you're little kids, like yesterday. Yeah, like 20 minutes ago. When yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. So um, cut to that evening. They're getting ready for their first day of school in the morning. And Lena, Monica's older sister, does her hair. And Camille brings in Monica's box of dresses that she literally hid under some rags in the garage. I'm like, mm-hmm. damn, damn, girl. And her mom is like look what I found you like this beautiful yellow dress and she's like I'm gonna lose it (laughs) and then we kind of notice Camille like hold her chest like she kind of gets winded and Lena's like oh are you okay and Camille's like I'm just tired from running around all day when I watch this for the first time I was like mom's gonna die mom's sick and she's gonna die (laughs) I thought that she was going to die Whenever a mom puts her hand on her fucking Mm -hmm. chest, heart attack. Yeah. Heart attack. It's over. You're you're dead. You're gone. Yeah. All I'm thinking is the funeral scene that I'm going to cry at later. Like, that's what I'm preparing for. Absolutely. I was so glad she didn't die. I was like, spoiler alert, that does not happen. Thank God. But what does happen is their father, Nathan, comes in. He's getting ready for his first day at his new bank job. And he's like, you know, which shirt? Like this one or this one? 
And Camille's like, oh, well, I like that one. He's like, ah, might as well iron both just in case. <laughs> Meanwhile, Camille's like, <sighs> can't even catch her breath over here. Yeah. And this is like a poignant moment for Monica as well, mm-hmm. where she kind of like sees her mom like do whatever she needs to do for her family. Like, yeah, her, she would never tell her husband, like, I'm tired. I can't do that for mm-hmm. you right now. Yeah. Um. So before she goes off to Iron, Camille tells Monica that Quincy will be riding with her to school so she'll know someone on her first day. And after her mom leaves, Monica tells Lena to make her hair look nice. Ooh, I wonder why. So later on, Quincy is in bed. He's kind of like looking around his room with a flashlight. And what do we hear in the not so far distance? His parents making love. I yeah, I'm like you know your child is right there. You if you want to do that, fine. But maybe let's let's use our Turn inside the voices, down, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know he's not really that phased by it, so whatever. And he ends up looking out his window to the right house and watches Monica get her hair done. So he is also intrigued. Yes. So the next morning, he goes to pick up Monica to go to school, and Monica comes out in, like, the little yellow dress that her mom picked out, her hair all done. Quincy, in love. Done. It's over. (laughs) Immediately smitten. And he says, you want to be my girl? And she's like, what do I have to do? (laughs) The banter. I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) Um. So he's like, well... We'd play basketball and ride to school together. And if you get mad at me, then I give you flowers. I'm and like, amazing. Yeah, girl. that sounds I'll take it. <laughs> great to me. And she's like, well, I don't really like flowers. Can I have Twinkies instead? And he's like, sounds good. Sounds good. So they're BFGF official now. <laughs> and he's like, so I guess now we have to kiss for five seconds. Arbitrary. <laughs> yeah, naturally. <laughs> and he's like, okay, you ready? And she's like, well, not here, like in front of my house. So they sneak around to the back of the house. He leans in and kisses her. And we watch not him. Not here on the promenade. <laughs> yeah. In front of the neighbors? My God. So <laughs> he leans in and kisses her, counts to five seconds on his fingers. And this is actually a real experience that um, the writer, director had. This is pulled ah, directly from her life. So a lot cute. of A lot of the movie is pulled from her life because she was a basketball mm-hmm. player going – Growing up as well. I think she's also um, a college track athlete. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they have their little, their chaste first kiss. And afterwards, they head back to their bikes. And Quincy's like, oh, since you're my girl, you have to ride on my bike. Because my dad always, you know, gives a ride to my mom. And she's like, no. Why would I do that? I don't have to listen to what you say. And he's like, well, forget you then, stupid. So (laughs) it's over. It's done. (laughs) And then she calls him stupid and says that his dad plays for the worst team in the NBA. Yikes. (laughs) Some fight and words. Yeah. So then this boy. (laughs) I can't believe it. It's like zero to a hundred. Yeah. I'm like clutching my pearls right now. He (laughs) shoves her off her bike and he's like, well, I don't want to be your boyfriend. And then calls her an ugly dog. He literally says ugly dog. I was like, 
Wow. Yeah, she takes it way better than I would, though, because she's like, well, I don't want to be your girlfriend, big head. And they start to, like, <laughs> tussle on the grass. And they I'm like, do. get his ass. Get him, Monica. Cut to the second quarter, 1988. Um, Monica, <laughs> sorry, I say it, 1988, all I can think of is, like, Taylor Swift is born the next year. Um <laughs> But anyways, because our brains are broken, Um. just broken, just (laughs) garbly gook. So Monica plays on the Crenshaw High girls basketball team while we see Quincy in his Letterman jacket, like at the like edge of the gym, like kind of just talking to his Mm -hmm. friends and whatever. And we also see at this game a scout from UCLA. So Monica plays defense, but she gets this foul and like she just gets so so upset on the court and she like kind of beefs with the ref and the coach benches her for the rest of the game um i did read actually that the girls on the team were like the real crenshaw high team oh that's so cool yeah so the next day monica is you know in the kitchen with her family and she's telling her dad that he needs to talk to her coach to you know put her back in the game and he's like you're the one who lost your head during the game. Like, you can't do that. And she's like, I was just showing emotion. And her mom is like, oh, so that means it's okay to act like that. Like, I don't know why you are like this. I want you to grow out of this tomboy phase. Like, clearly not into her daughter playing basketball. And Monica's like, it's not a tomboy phase. I'm a lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) Lena, like, spits out her water laughing. Yeah. And Camille is like, that's not funny. And Monica's like, well, that's what you think of me anyways. So Monica's dad suggests that maybe she start shifting her focus to other things besides basketball because she only has one game left in high school and she still Mm -hmm. hasn't been recruited. So it's not looking too good. And she's like, no, I have one more chance. Like the coach from USC is going to be at the championship. That is my moment. I am going to get recruited. So she's very determined. Yeah. But Camille is just like, I don't know. Like, you have a lot going for yourself. Like, you could be so pretty if you put a comb through her hair and just kind of, like, drones on and is nagging her about her appearance. But Monica isn't even listening because she's looking out the window to see Quincy making out with some girl against his car. Oh, Next, we see Quincy's basketball game and Monica watching from the stands. He is killing it. He is the basketball superstar. Mm-hmm. We see Gabrielle Union. Yes. Okay. Playing a character named Shawnee. Um, go over and talk to Monica. She like compliments her for a second. And then she's like, so who's Quincy taking to the dance? Obviously an ulterior motive. Yeah. And Monica's like, you know, I'm not sure. There are just so many to keep track of. And Shawnee tries to give Monica this note to pass to Quincy for her. And Monica's like, do it yourself. But Shawnee's like, no, I don't want to look fast. And just drops it in her lap lap before going back to her seat. I'm like, that's so annoying. Yeah. So after the game, golden boy Quincy is approached by a reporter – who's trying to, like, get some info about what school he's going to play at next year. Yeah, but his- this reporter's like, I've been reporting on you since you were a kid. Like, let me know. Like, tell me yeah. who you're choosing. 
And his dad, all state legend, is like, <laughs> you're going to wait until the press conference like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, you're going to go to USC like your dad. And Zeke is just like, all I care about is that he gets a good education. So they walk off together and Zeke is like, you know, I think we should revisit our conversation about Princeton. But Quincy doesn't want to go to an Ivy because their teams are not good. They're not going to go all the way. But Mm -hmm. truly, like, all Zeke cares about is his son getting an education, which I feel like is so opposite to every other basketball movie I've ever seen. Oh, definitely. His dad really cares for him. Like, Mm -hmm. he's very supportive. Um, He never pushes him. He wants him to be, like, a well-rounded man. Mm -hmm. He wants him to be, like, you know, ambitious and kind and smart. And, like, yeah, I just think he – he is a really great father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's very opposite to, you know, your coach dads, your Dan mm-hmm. Scott's, um, which is always refreshing to see. Yeah. But, you know, Zeke does end up telling Quincy that he played really great in the game and that he's proud of him. And then he's like, I got to go to a late night meeting. Can you tell your mom for me? Bye. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. So uh, Quincy ends up giving Monica a ride home. And in the car, Monica opens the note from Shawnee. And he's like, what do you got there? And she's like, oh, it's a note from Shawnee. And he's like, Shawnee with the big titties? (laughs) She's like, okay, shut the fuck up. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And reads the note out loud. And it's Shawnee asking him to the spring dance and promising to leave him satisfied i'm like just if you're gonna say that in the note if you're gonna be that forward in the note just give just it tell him yeah like, yeah what's the charade you know the charade yeah so monica's like okay she's a hoe and q is like why does she have to be a hoe and monica's like she's basically sending her coochie through the mail <laughs> Which is a really funny line. Um, but Q's like, you know, I don't care. But Monica's like, okay. But really, she's not even saying that she wants to get to know you. She literally just wants to, like, bone you. Mm-hmm. Which seems to be, you know, just by the fact that he is, like, the son of a really famous basketball player. Mm-hmm. And he's a really great basketball player. And he's popular. Yeah. he's They've set him up as, like, a ladies' man. Yeah, definitely. Like, you can't really tell if these... Yeah, the girls that it they do seem to be just obsessed with his clout mm-hmm. that are hanging around him. Yeah. Um, and so Q is like, Well, I didn't know you cared so much. And Monica's like, I don't. Then mm. Q is like, Well, who are you going with? Spalding. And Monica's like, Spalding. And she looks down at her basketball in her lap and realizes he is talking about the basketball. <laughs> And he, like, she punches him, and he tells her that her hot temper is why she's not getting recruited. And I'm like, he might be right about that. <laughs> so she tells him that if she were a guy, talking smack would get her a pat on the ass, and that she's a ball player. And he calls her a ball player with a bad attitude. And she says she didn't know he cared so much. And then Q's like, I don't. Now kiss. <laughs> I do love that she calls herself a ball player. Mm-hmm. Like that happens throughout the movie where it's yeah. not like 
I don't think it's like a commentary necessarily on like gender and sexuality, but it is like a gender neutral thing to say, like, I'm mm. a ball player and not like, you know, I'm a female athlete yeah. or like whatever. It's like, this is my identity, like mm-hmm. the ball player, like the person on the court, which I think is like really, you know, unique. And I think she's just super driven and like goal oriented. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think what I really like about this movie is that it is a lot about like, gender roles but not in a way where i feel like it's being shoved down my throat that happens a lot with movies that i made more recently and i actually did find a quote from um gina prince uh where she's i'll read it to you now she said (laughs) um honestly i never set out to write a feminist mantra I always wanted to put out in the world that we could have it all. I wanted to destroy the negative perception of a female athlete. I wanted to counter the stereotype of a female athlete. And I knew who I was and who these women around me were. And it wasn't what I was seeing in the media and in television and in film. I want and deserve the career and love. And you can have both. It doesn't need to be a choice. So it does. It feels like it comes from a very genuine place, Mm -hmm. which – yeah. I think like that kind of heart is rare to find. Absolutely. And I think there's also, as we see further on in the movie, like her um, relationship with her teammates in college Mm -hmm. and her relationship like with her teammates in her professional career and Mm -hmm. the camaraderie you see there and um, like the hard work she puts in at practice. And then Mm -hmm. I would say just overall too, like – the in um I forget the word but the differences between like the WNBA and the NBA now Mm -hmm. are still so heavy like just the amount of like coverage they get the amount of like marketing that they get Mm -hmm. the conditions when like women go to a tournament and like what they get um versus what like men get and just like the fame and like all of that stuff. It's like so incongruous um, Mm -hmm. when it's supposed to be like equal, you know, there was like a huge thing about that with women's soccer recently as well. Mm -hmm. Cause like when it, it all stems from like just the issues in society manifesting and like you can see it in every industry cause it's like a society wide issue. So it's going to permeate at every level. Crazy. If you want to see some fire basketball, though, and you're like, I'm not trying to pay a lot of money, go see your teams or like your area's um, women's basketball games. Mm-hmm. Like my brother and his wife go to, um, they saw like a New York Liberty versus, I want to say in Connecticut, it's the Suns, but I might be wrong. And it's way cheaper to see them than it is to to see, like, the NBA games. But they're so good, and it's, mm. like, amazing. Yeah. So Quincy gets home, and, you know, his mom's in the kitchen, and she confronts him about a woman's earring she found on his bed. My mom would, like, beat my ass. I would be murdered. I would be <laughs> six feet under. You would never find my, my mom's body. My like, <laughs> you know, whose ring is – or, like, whatever, whatever the thing is, like – my ass would be beaten. <laughs> yeah. Would not survive. Um, but she <laughs> she she basically like warns. I wouldn't be here today. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to me being a freaking dork in high school and not having to deal with that problem. So true. <laughs> but um yeah, Quincy's mom just kind of like warns him about 
essentially like women trying to trap him into Mm -hmm. a pregnancy or something like that because of their money. And he's like, okay, okay, like I get it. I'm being careful. Don't worry. And they talk about, you know, his win tonight at his game. And then she's like, oh, where's your father? And he's like, well, actually, he's going to be home <laughs> later. And she is not happy. Yeah. yeah. So that night, it's it's looking pretty bad here. Yeah. Zeke gets back at 1 a.m. Nona, of course, is upset. Mm-hmm. And she tells him that she came second in the NBA and she doesn't want to come second to some bullshit scouting job. And obviously Zeke is upset by her insult. He shuts down and Nona's like, I'm sorry, like, that's not what I meant, but I do need you to spend more time with the family. Like, think about finishing your degree maybe. And he tells her that he likes his job and it'll lead to a spot in the front office in the meantime, they have enough money saved to keep her in Gucci and gold and, like, throws it back in her face that, like, um, she wants him to be successful and stuff. And Nona Mm -hmm. is, like, so not talking about that. And she pulls off her bracelets, throws it at him, like, takes off her necklace. And she's like, how many nights off is that? How many weeks? Like, is this a week yet? And it's just a really, really bad fight. Mm Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Q can hear everything from his room, and it's this scene is a total, you know, ju- juxtaposition between that scene when he's eleven and he yeah. hears his parents like having sex in the next room over, and now he's hearing them argue fervently, and so he sneaks out of his window, knocks on Monica's door or on her window across the yard, and he ends up sleeping in her room on the floor. Yeah, it's super clear that like this happens all the time. They don't even talk about it. She just lets him in, gives him a pillow and blanket. So yeah, clearly like this pattern between his parents has been going on for a while. And despite all of their ribbing, Monica is always there for him. So next scene, we have Lena and Monica. She's doing her hair once again. And I don't know if we mentioned this, but Lena is played by the wonderful Regina Hall. Yes. Yeah. Lena asks Monica if she has a date to the spring dance yet. And Monica's like, oh, please. Yeah, I totally have guys lining up for me. LOL. And Lena's (laughs) like, well, actually, I found you someone. And Monica initially is like, oh, my God, I'm not some charity case. But like, but give me his name and his number. Make him come (laughs) so he can bring me to the dance. I'm begging you. But like, who is he? And uh, it's a guy that Lena knows from college. And she says that he's fine. And Monica is a little bit hesitant, but Lena's like, you know what? I'll do your hair. I'll get you a dress. I'll get you some heels. You just worry about impressing your recruiter tonight. Mm-hmm. And then Monica asks Lena if she's ever been in love. And Lena's like, oh, yeah, of course. And Monica's like, and did they love you back? And Lena's like, yeah, once I cut them off, why? Oof. And Monica's like, no reason, no reason. Totally not about our neighbor. Totally not about who I've known since we were 11. Yeah. Yeah. So finally, we get the big championship game. Yes. Monica is the senior captain. This is her last chance to be recruited. And as she walks out, she sees the USC coach. She sees Quincy in the stands and... She gets into position for the tip-off, and 
some girl shoves her, you know, but Monica doesn't take the ball. The game begins and we get this really awesome point of view so that Mm -hmm. we see the court from Monica's perspective. And she has this inner monologue and she's like, play smart, play smart. Like, don't go for it. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. steal the ball, like get the rebound, like whatever. So it's really awesome that we can like kind of go through. Um, It was really exciting for me as someone who loves Mm -hmm. basketball to be like, oh, wow. Like it's, it is such a quick game. And I think that's what I love about it, where Mm -hmm. it, it is so, it almost feels like acting in that way where you can't think about what you're doing. It has to be intuitive. Yeah. Um, and so she ends up getting fouled for reaching and she tries to argue, uh, with the ref, but the coach, um, gets her to let it go. And, Monica refocuses as the other team scores two free throws. So we get back to Monica's point of view. Um, at this point in the game, I believe it's like Monica's, the Crenshaw girls are up by one and the opposing team is down by one. So mm-hmm. like Monica tries to make another shot because if she does, so like they would need a three pointer to, to even tie. Yeah. Um, and so she tries to get this shot and she misses Mm-hmm. And she actually gets another foul for holding. And it's the end of the game. Like, she goes to sit on the bench and she starts to cry as the buzzer sounds. Like, it's oh. over. It's devastating. It really is. And I mean, I, I love the like uh, point, like the POV, the point of view photography. Oh, yeah. Cinematography that we get. And, um, I think that while it is a love story, it you know, it is about yeah. Quincy and Monica. Monica really is the main character. Um, she is the lens through which we see this movie. Mm-hmm. So to have like a literal manifestation of that I think is really cool. So I enjoyed it. Absolutely. So we go back to the right house after the game. Lena is doing Monica's makeup for the dance, but of course Monica's in a really bad mood because she just blew this. Well, not she blew the championship, but like her team lost. And um, she says she doesn't even want to go to the dance. But once Lena finishes her hair and makeup, she calls Camille in. And as soon as she sees her, she's like, Lena, go get your grandmother's pearls. Aw. Yeah. And Camille sits down with Monica and she says, tonight – I don't want you to worry about the game or the recruiters or anything else. I just want you to enjoy being beautiful. And Lena brings in the pearls and Camille puts them on Monica. And Monica's like, do you really think I'm beautiful? And Camille just goes, hush. Aw. So at the dance, everyone is dancing their asses off. It's a great time. You know, the spring dance. I'm assuming this is, like, in lieu of the prom. This is, like, probably the last dance before graduation. And Shawnee is with Q. Monica walks in with her super hot date that her sister got her. And her date is like, "Um, do you want me to take your coat? And she's like, are you cold? (laughs) And he's like, "Um, I can go check the coat. No, you silly goose. (laughs) Like, I'm being a gentleman. Yeah. So he takes her coat and he's like, damn, like your sister wasn't lying because Monica looks amazing in her dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she looks, looks awesome. And Q catches a glimpse of Monica and he's like, what? Oh my God. Oh my God. And he literally look, like checks her out, stares at her in front oh, yeah. of Gabrielle Union. <laughs> he says, damn, out loud in front of his stage. Yeah. 
And he tells Shawnee to hold on and walks over to Monica. I would be, I'd be like, mm. what? Yeah. So he's like, you don't look half bad. And she's like, you don't either. And then Monica's date, Jason, introduces himself to Q. And Shawnee comes over and says, I didn't know Nike made dresses. And I'm like, number one, they do. Mm -hmm. But this isn't one. Yeah. And number two, don't be fucking rude. Okay? (laughs) Number two, don't be fucking rude. (laughs) I'm thinking of the the clip of Kim Kardashian hitting her sister being like, don't be fucking rude. That's what's in my brain currently. (laughs) That's too funny. So um, Monica's like, all right, see you later. And then she and Jason sit down at a table and Jason's like, damn, like, why do you look so stressed? And she's like, I'm sorry. Like, and he's like, no, 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 I'm having a good time. Like, whatever I can do to make you have a good time. And she's like, well, my mouth is a little dry. And he's like, I'll go get you a drink. And he's like, don't chat while I'm gone and leave a glass slipper. And I'm like, oh, he's so cute. Um, Ben Q comes over and he asks her if she's having fun and he asks who that clown is. And I'm like, jealousy, jealousy, jealousy. jealous, <laughs> green eyed monster. Mm-hmm. And Jason comes back and at this time, like a slow song has started and he's like, you know, do you want to dance? And invites Monica to slow dance with him. And she agrees. And Q is crushed (laughs) but both couples uh, I love this scene (laughs) both couples go out onto the dance floor Q and Shawnee and Monica and Jason and Q and Monica catch each other's eyes while they're (sighs) dancing with their other dates to this dance and they lock eyes and as they're dancing it's like they're dancing with each other and This moment is just so intimate. Mm -hmm. It's so tension filled. Like imagine seeing the the man you're in love with across the room as you dance with another man and you just it's like palpable and you uh, little did they know. Yeah. They were dating in real life. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This this is like a super irrelevant story, but it made me think of something that I did when I was like 16, 17. Let's, so I was let's a, hear it. <laughs> I was I was a big I was a big Tumblr gal. I loved Tumblr and mm-hmm. I used to make like gifs and stuff. And you know how there would always be like those like black and white like gifs from like a TV show with like some of like course. quote on top of it that like always was never from the show and it was like super dramatic. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make one and see like if it would get any traction. <laughs> so <laughs> So I took a clip from uh, the TV show The Carrie Diaries, and it's when Carrie is dancing with some dude and Sebastian, who is freaking Austin Butler, is like staring at her, like dancing with somebody else. And the quote that I put on – I'm going to fucking gag the quote that I put on. (laughs) Oh, Lord. I made this shit up when I was 16. Um, The quote was – hang on, let me think of it word for word. The quote was – you know what sucks? Seeing the person that makes you happy be happy with someone else. <laughs> That's from another TV show. It is? From what? That, it sounds 
like super, super familiar. Let me do a quick search on the World Wide Web. I can probably find the GIF that I made because it got like 500 Uh, notes when I posted it. And then it got reposted with like millions and millions of notes on other blogs. And it did go viral. So (laughs) there we go. And that was your first experience with going viral. Maybe I made that up, but that, oh, maybe it sounds familiar because you've told me this before. Okay, this I literally story? found it. I'm sending it to you right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> you found it that quickly? What the fuck? Mm-hmm. All right, everyone, please hold while I receive I'm, I'll, this. I'll post it on the story uh, so everyone can see. Oh, good. Oh, my gosh. All I can think of is Santana calling him <laughs> Fish Lips. That's a different actor. You're so right. <laughs> you know what sucks? Watching the person that makes you happy be happy with someone else so that that's what made me think of that but it's very much you know you're at the dance you're watching the person that you like dancing with someone else wow so if you were on tumblr in like 2013 2014 and you saw this that was me i made that Ooh, and i bet the crossover between people who saw that and people who listen to us it's probably pretty large yeah i would i would <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you for indulging that tangent. Back Mm -hmm. to the movie. (laughs) So after the dance, Monica gets home. She sees her mom, like, asleep in the living room, waiting up for her. So she instead decides to climb through her window to get into her bedroom. unnecessary buckle-off queen. Yeah. And what does she find on her desk? A letter from USC? What? Oh, my God. So she looks across the way and sees that Quincy's light is on. So she's like, psst, hey. So he climbs out his window and goes over to hers. And he's like, oh, you're home early. And she's like, yeah, you too. And he asks where she went after the dance. And long story short, they both end up revealing that neither of them hooked up with their dates. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Monica then is like, hey, I have to show you something. It's the letter from USC. So, she gives it to him to open for her. Mm -hmm. He takes his sweet time opening it up and reading it before he finally tells her that she got into USC. Oh, Oh my God. Congratulations. So, she is thrilled. Quincy's like, and guess what? I'm going too. So I'll see you there in the fall. Um, but, you know, they're very excited about the fact that they're going to be going to school together. And Quincy leans in to hug her, but Monica kisses him. <gasps> She's oh bold, God. ladies and gentlemen. And he's like, what was that about? And she's like, I don't know. I'm sorry. But then he kisses her. And it gets very steamy. They start, like, making out. They, like, fall to the grass together. And they're making out for some time until she ends up kind of, like, abruptly pushing him off and getting up. Mm -hmm. But then she turns around. She's like, are you coming? (gasps) So they go into her room. And we hear an iconic cover of Kate Bush's This Woman's Work by Maxwell. And they, like, sit on her bed. They start to, like, kiss. She pulls down her dress. I know and you've he... got a lot of love left. 
He looks like at her chest and then he pulls off his pants and she looks at his dick and they're like, okay, I you guess we can see work the emojis in the notes right now. It's like it's the side eye emoji. emoji. Side yeah. eye emoji. It's very like tender. It's very emotional. Uh, um, yes. They end up lying on the bed together. And this like shocked me the first time I watched it. We see Quincy go and get a condom. And put it on. Which I was like a responsible young man. I truly cannot think of another film off the top of my head where I have seen somebody put a condom on. Not unless they mention it specifically because the condom breaks. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. And especially if it's like people in high school. Oh, yeah. For yeah. sure. I was just really glad. And I, and it, I mean, the writer of this film is really smart. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that it would have fit in with the movie in general, but I'm just glad that it didn't end up with um, her getting pregnant. Yeah. Because whenever I see a high school sex scene, I'm like, I swear to God, like, Mm -hmm. if this person gets pregnant, because she's like, also, I want to be an athlete. Mm -hmm. Like, she wouldn't even be able to accept the offer from USC. It was just like, yeah, I better be mad. This movie Mm -hmm. didn't take so many turns. I thought it would. Mom doesn't die. Yeah. No one gets pregnant. Like, thank God. Oh, Yeah. But, you know, they start to have sex, and it's it's her first time, you know? She's never done it before, so she kind of, like, braces herself as he puts it in, and he's like, he's like, do you want me to stop? And she says no, and I'm like, consent, we love to see displays of it, thank you. And they continue on, like, they have sex. And it's I did read- so sensual. It is very sensual. I did read that, um, I can't remember if it was, like, the- studio or somebody they were like oh we want to see her like enjoy it more so they shot like more footage of like oh wow the virginity loss where she's like having a good time but then the movie was gonna have an r rating so they were like no we're gonna scale it back because they want to be pg-13 yeah for sure um so they ended up cutting the extra stuff that they filmed Mm -hmm. but yeah i think it's a very like healthy a very romantic display of somebody having sex for the first time. Yeah, for sure. It's nice to – because, I mean, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. It's never good the first time. But it can be, like, a positive experience as opposed to a negative one. So it's nice to just see it be like she's, like – she's the one who advocates for it. Mm -hmm. They both agree, like Mm – you know, taking it slowly, like just like, mm-hmm. you know, using protection, like those types of things being depicted as like, yeah, you know, thumbs up. A plus. Moving right along to 1988 through 1989, Monica is practicing with the USC girls basketball team and she's gone from like the big woman on campus in her school's basketball team to just a little, a little freshman on the college basketball yeah. team. Yeah. And they're whipping her into shape. She is lifting weights. And her teammate, also the point guard, um, says that her coach hates all the freshmen. Like, don't take it personally if she picks on you. Um, and then she says, but just because they play the same position doesn't mean they have to compete. Besides, she's been the starting point guard for the past two years and won't let some freshman come in and take her spot. And then she drops, like, the barbell on Monica, and Monica's like, 
Rough, rough, rough. So the hazing begins. Mm-hmm. We then go to Monica and Quincy, who are walking through campus with their little USC together. sweaters on, arm in arm. And uh, these rando girls come up and they're like, hey, Q-Man, you going to take us to the final four? Because he's, <laughs> you know, the star of the team as a freshman. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. And he's just like, we'll see. And Monica is like, hello, hi, it's me, your girlfriend, standing right here. Hi, what was that? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know, like, I can't help girls coming up to me. And she's obviously, like, annoyed at this. So he ends up, like, pulling her down to the grass and cuddling her and, you know, cheering her up. And then he says, you're the only girl I know is for real. And they kiss, and she says, always. Back to basketball. Monica is playing in a scrimmage. Sidra, the other point guard, and her are just fighting neck and neck. Um, Monica keeps stealing the ball from her. But Monica actually gets a shot in, which mm-hmm. like might have been the first she's gotten in since she yeah. started. And she kind of savors that moment, and she like <laughs> – you know, the pose where it's like one hand is in the air, like you swish the basket in and the girls totally like she is stuck in this moment. The girls go around to her. Citrus scores a point for her team mm-hmm. and coach is like, Monica, come here. Show me that pose again. Since you like posing so much, why don't you go pose for the rest of practice? Keep your arm up and like the level of embarrassment. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Yeah, this is how I know I'm not cut out for sports because that is where I would crumble, crumble into a million pieces. So in the locker room after practice, the girls are all making fun of Monica and Sidra is like, that's what you get for trying to make me look bad, which she's just playing the game. Like, what's she supposed to do? Not try in the game? Like, yeah. I don't get it, but Monica's like, well, I didn't have to try very hard, and (laughs) Citra gets really pissed, and then reveals that Monica is only at USC because Tanya Randall got pregnant and decided not to come, and they Mm -hmm. were done recruiting. So this is a huge blow, and afterwards, one of Monica's teammates, and I think her roommate, Shayla, ends up going up to her and tells her... Don't worry about it. Sidra's just mad because she's (laughs) bow-legged. Savage. Yeah. So um, later on, Quincy and Monica are in his dorm, and he tells her to forget Tanya and to prove her coach wrong. But Monica's like, you know, I don't have a red carpet laid out for me like you do. And he's like, okay, fine then. You can't handle the pressure. Like, I understand. And she's like, okay, that was weak. And he's like, who cares if you're not the first woman in the NBA? You'll get more play behind Quincy McCall anyway. And like, he's like doing a little reverse psychology, like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I would give up your dreams. And then Monica shoves Quincy's ice down his shorts. And she's like, that's what you get. And he challenges her to a strip one on one basketball game. 
Oh my god. So they start to play with this like tiny toy hoop that he has in his room and Quincy goes in for a dunk and Monica grabs his dick and he drops the ball. She gets it and who says that? All's fair in love and basketball. Monica. Okay. And then Quincy eventually he's down to his boxers. Monica scores and she looks for the ball and she's like, where's the D? Because she's like, you know, where's the defense? And he's like, mm-hmm. right here. And she turns around <laughs> and he's butt naked. And he pushes her against the wall and they make out. And she turns around and she's like, you know, I won. And he's like, I wanted you to. It's so steamy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, they also like improvised most of the dialogue, I'm pretty sure, in Whoa. this scene. Where's the D? Um, right here. Right here. <laughs> I don't know if that part was improvised, but um, the other parts of the game, because apparently this is what their relationship dynamic was like in real life. Like they would rib each other and like tease each other. Oh, I love yeah. that. I think yeah. that's really organic. Mm-hmm. So then <laughs> we have like a little news segment that Mo actually knows the people that are reporting. I have no idea. <laughs> I just wrote, like, some news reports. Um, But it's basically about how USC is going to be, like, a new powerhouse in basketball. On the men's team, there's Quincy. He's the new star. Then the women's team is back with four of their stars from last year. And if one Mm -hmm. of their freshmen has a breakout season, they can go all the way. Just for context, it is Robin <laughs> Roberts and Dick Vitale, like some mm. super, there's two really popular um, sports center reporters. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because um, I think that later on, oh, this is like later on. I don't, I don't want to spoil anything, so I'll get to it later. But mm-hmm. Dick Vitale's name comes up later on. Yes, it does, yeah. So we see Quincy's game, and everyone cheers for him as he gets on the court. Christina notes, this man is too short. He is far – okay, it's the same thing that happened with Zac Efron. Oh, yeah, totally. Simply too short to be a basketball player. Um, and this is evident because they do say later on – what Monica's height is, they're like, at 5'7", Monica Wright. And he's really not that much taller than her. And on no. on the internet, it lists his height as 5'10", but I'm willing to say it's probably a little closer to 5'9". I would, I would be willing to agree. Yeah. So I don't know if I see him in real life being quite the basketball star, mm-hmm. but alas... It's a movie. <laughs> it's a movie. It's a pizza pie. So meanwhile, Monica is benched uh, for her game. So she puts in more work training. Um, she trains on her own. And this rivalry with Sidra continues in practice. Yeah, it's also in this montage that you can really see the difference in even just like facilities where they're playing because the men's team plays on this like huge court that, oh like, yeah and they have the cheerleaders yeah like, there's like reporters yeah yeah there and like there's tons of people in the crowd mm-hmm. the women's team they're in this like smaller gym their games are very sparsely attended 
So yeah, pretty reflective of, you know, the differences in treatment towards women's basketball and men's basketball in real life. So the next thing we know, we're at this bar where Quincy is hanging out with his dad, you know, talking about how his numbers are better than any other freshman and people are saying that he's going to be a lottery pick. But Zeke is like, no, don't even pay attention to that. Just focus on your degree. But Quincy wants to go pro. So Zeke once again encourages his son to get an education and says that the only reason that he left school was because he got Nona pregnant. And then Zeke reveals that at the moment, he's going through a paternity suit because there's a woman that's claiming that he fathered her child. So Quincy asks if it's true, and Zeke denies it, like looks his son right in the eye, and he's like, of course not. But his lawyer wants him to settle, especially because he's up for like a PR job with the Clippers. Yeah. So Zeke says that this whole paternity thing is also causing problems in his marriage, and he's giving Nona space right now. And then he watches as some college kid goes up to Quincy and asks for his autograph, which is actually like a parallel to earlier in the movie when Quincy was in high school and he watches as his dad is leaving the gym, like a high school kid going to ask Zeke for his autograph. Yeah. Hey, I'm Jillian Clare, the host of the podcast, Thanks for Coming In. I've accumulated some pretty crazy audition stories over the past 20 years, and so have my friends. And I was like, you know what? No, not going to do this. And then Disney calls and is like, we need you to come test for the Ant-Man movies. I didn't know if my scene was going to get cut or not. Ooh, I could play that. Tune in every Thursday to hear your favorite actors tell the funniest, saddest, and most cringeworthy audition stories. Sometimes even the one that got away. Thanks for Coming In is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back to the gym, or it's the women's basketball game. It's just a really quick shot. We see Sidra get injured on the court, mm-hmm. and it's not looking too good. Yeah. So next thing we know, Q goes to his house um, to visit his mother, and he notices that she hides this like um, glass that she's drinking out of, and he tells her that the last time he saw her drink was when Marvin Gaye died, and he's like, you know, don't sweat it about dad. The truth will come out soon enough. And she's like, whose truth? And Q asks her how many times she's told him to watch out for girls. And Nona's like, yeah, I wish your father would have taken that advice. And he's like, are you actually going to take the word of some girl like over my dad? And she throws this envelope at him. And it reveals that she has hired a private investigator. And there are pictures in this envelope of Zeke cheating, which just have to put in here. They look like a boudoir photo. <laughs> she, They're like, like black and white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like holding each other sensually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Nona just, she's so sad and, you know, embarrassed and like hurt. Mm -hmm. And she tells him that she can't believe she needed any more proof after all of the like late nights and the meetings. And she says that she used to think she was lucky to be married to him, but now she's just tired and she begins to cry. But Quincy tells her not to cry and just holds his mother. Yeah. I mean, at this point, Quincy's like whole worldview is shattered. Like it's so clear that he like idolizes his father so much and that his whole life all he has wanted to be is 
a man like his father is. So to like learn of this betrayal has like completely broken him. And it's like insane to think like you look up to someone as your hero Mm -hmm. and then, you know, you find out this wild thing about them and you're like, I thought that was my hero. Like, who am I? Mm -hmm. What am I striving for? Right. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And the next scene we see Quincy with Monica. He, you know, has told her the news and it's just like really processing this like huge sudden heartbreak that he has. And she's like, well, even though your dad messed up, it doesn't change like what he's meant to you and what he's been to you. And he's like, my dad lied to me like it was nothing. And I never thought that my father would do something like this. Because, you know, he knows that a lot of men who play basketball, they go on the road, they'll mess around, but he never thought that his father would be one of them. Totally. And, you know, he's really pouring his heart out to Monica about this, like, huge loss of his role model. And she looks over at the clock tower and sees that it's almost 11. And she's like, hey, why don't we go to my dorm and talk about this? And he's like, I don't really want to run into anybody. Can we just stay here? And she's like, well, actually, I can't. I have an 11 o'clock curfew. And if I'm not in my dorm by then, I don't get to play in the game tomorrow. And Quincy is shocked to hear this, like completely dismayed that she's choosing to focus on that rather than what he's going through at the moment. But it's also like, how do you balance that? Yeah. And and I mean, that's her her struggle throughout i mean if we love and it's basketball yeah if we if we look at these two characters and kind of their motivations quincy's up until this point is to be a man just like his father Mm -hmm. and monica's is to be nothing like her mother oh wow yeah and that is where these two clash because Mm -hmm. she doesn't want to end up the way that she views her mother, which is somebody who has given up their dreams. She's a homemaker. She has no desires of Mm -hmm. her own. Is like her kind of purpose is to serve a man, a family. So I think that's where she struggles is in prioritizing Quincy, who she she does love so much. Yeah. But also the other love of her life, basketball. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Quincy, of course, is really upset by Monica wanting to leave and she apologizes and he's like, you know, it's fine. I should be alone right now. And he kind of just shuts down and closes up. And she asks him to call him when he gets in. She kisses him before she walks off to her dorm. Yeah. The next day at the game, um, Q is like super distracted. He loses the ball. It's, it's a really bad for him. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Monica is having a great game. Q costs his team a foul. The other team gets a foul shot. Monica is on the court in the final moments of a game. She tries to pass the ball to, I think it's Tony, but it doesn't reach her. And so instead she like hustles and gets in front of the other girl. And yeah, she actually ends up fouling the girl. So she like runs into Monica and she gets the shot, but she doesn't get the points because of the offensive foul. (laughs) (laughs) What 
what does that mean? <laughs> Christina's face. What does that mean? I don't know. The tea, like, well, the tea is like, you're super smart, but like, you're simply just like, I've never looked into this and I'm, and I won't be, I will not be looking into what it means. And I'm simply couldn't care less. I'm like, you're speaking German. I don't, it's not making sense in my head, but. It's like she's playing some, Monica's game plan is, um, some James Harden shit right now. And so that's how she gets the points. Yeah. But anyways. I'm sorry I don't understand basketball. I just I can't wrap my head around it, but yeah. That's she's making some some good plays. She's mm-hmm. thinking on her feet. Yeah, she's doing well. That's all you need to know. Quincy not playing well. Thumbs Monica thumbs, thumbs up. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so after the game, we're in the locker room. Monica's team is celebrating, and one of their teammates talks about how she's going to be playing overseas next year because she's graduating. And she's like, yeah, I'm excited, but it's not going to be the same. You know, I'm not going to have like our home crowds. I'm not going to have yeah. my family there. I'm going to be all alone. It's just going to be different. And Sidra's like, well, yeah, at least you have a contract. My agent is still trying to find me an offer. And then Monica's coach calls her into her office and she's like, you showed real heart in that game. And guess what? I want you starting in our final games <gasps> against Oregon. What? Excuse me? I know. And Monica's like, but Sidra is not going to be injured anymore. And she's like, I know. Do you want to start or not? And Monica's like, absolutely, I do. Yes. <laughs> and then we see the coach call Sidra into her office. Yikes. Ugh. Later that evening... Monica goes to a party. She's celebrating. She's dancing with her teammates. And Quincy arrives with his boys. And she comes over to him, you know, gives him a kiss and tells him that she went by his dorm looking for him, but then heard that, like, like he was going to be here. And he is, he's, like, so fucked up over the thing with his dad. Like, yeah. he can't see past his own nose. So, mm-hmm. She tells him, um, sorry about the game. And he's like, you know, it happens. Then Shayla comes up to Monica and she's like, Q, did you hear about your girl? She's starting. She snags such a spot. And Q barely even reacts. He's just like, cool. Like, where's the keg? Men are fuck boys. Am I, you know, am I denying that he needs emotional support? No, I Mm -hmm. think he does. Yeah. Very clear. But also, he's being a fuckboy. Yeah, like this isn't how this isn't how you should treat a partner. And if you have an issue like he does with, you know, what happened when she yeah. was comforting him and then left, maybe just have an open, honest conversation about that. Talk about the way that it made you feel. Um, <laughs> listen to her side. That sounds you so You guys healthy. can talk it out. But we also have to remember – they're like 18, 19 at this point. Yeah. So are they going to be that healthy in a relationship? Props not. We then see Monica get called over by Sidra, and she tells Monica, good game. And she's like, let me give you some advice. Never let a freshman take your spot. And then we see her walk off on her crutches. She's a good sport, though. She's like, yeah. I understand the game. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Definitely. And as Sidra walks away, 
Monica looks across the party and sees Quincy talking very closely to some girl. So Monica goes over and she's like, who is that? And he's like, oh, nobody. Like, let's leave. And she asks if he wants to go talk about what they were talking about last night. And he's like, no, not really. And starts kissing her. And she tries to talk to him, but he just keeps kissing her. And actually, like, filling her up. And she's like, Quincy, like, stop. And pushes him off. And it's like, you're drunk. And he's like, whatever. Like, I'm going to go crash. And she's like, maybe I'll come by later. But he says, no, I have curfew. Like, throwing back in her face what she said last night. And on his way out, he just says, oh, by the way, congratulations. (sighs) Crazy. This girl has been there for you like your whole life when like your parents are fighting oh yeah she lets you sleep on her floor like no questions asked she's always there for him and then like the one time she falls short she's punished it's really shitty so quincy then goes back to his dorm and his dad is waiting inside for him so quincy tells him to leave but zeke is like listen i know that i messed up but i'm not that kid's father but you know Sometimes things happen. And Quincy's like, well, there are some things that should never fucking happen. And Zeke is like, please, like, as if you're so perfect. And Quincy points out that at least he's not a liar. Mm. And then Zeke is like, well, yeah, your mom was sure quick to show those photos. And basically, like, says that Nona trapped him into a marriage, which, if that's the way that you feel, that's the way that you feel. But Do you need to say that to your son? Yeah, I'm thinking no. Yeah. And Zeke says that when you're in the NBA, like there are always a ton of women after you. And after a while, that becomes a part of the game. Mm. So he then apologizes to Quincy for lying to him and says he only did it because he loves him. And Quincy's like, well, since we're being honest, I've decided to drop out and go pro. Quincy, Quincy, Quincy. You're making some big decisions right now. (laughs) So Zeke gets very upset. He tells Quincy that he's making a mistake and says, I can't let you do this. And then Quincy throws back at his dad what he always said to him growing up. He says, I always thought that can't wasn't in a man's vocabulary. Yeah, it's really it's really heartbreaking to see this like father-son relationship break down. Yeah. Back to Monica's perspective a few days later, she goes to see Quincy at his dorm and she asks him why he wasn't at her game. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I had a meeting, but did you win? She did. And then Quincy gets called out to the front where this girl from the party that we saw before is waiting for him. And they hug, and Quincy introduces her to Monica, and he's like, oh, we're going to go get some food. Like, do you want to come? And Monica is pissed, as any girlfriend would be. Mm -hmm. And so she gets pissed off, and she's like, I'll leave. Yeah, he's doing to Monica, like to hurt her, he's doing what his dad did to his mom. Pretty crazy. Such a fucked up way to treat somebody. So Monica is really upset by this whole thing. So she ends up driving back to her, like, childhood home Mm -hmm. looking for her dad. But instead she finds her mom, like, getting into her car. And she's like, oh, dad's still at work. Is everything okay? 
And Monica's like, yeah, it's fine. Clearly it's not. No. Camille is just like, okay, well, I'm going to get groceries. So, like, you can stay for dinner. And as she's getting into her car, she's like, it's just a game. And Monica's like, what? She's like, you always get this attitude when you lose, but it's just a game. So Camille drives off and Monica doesn't even go into the house. She just gets back in her car. Yeah. Super pissed off. Finally, Monica gets back to USC, walks back to her dorm, and who should be waiting for her but Quincy, and he asks to talk. And she's like, why don't you go talk to your new girlfriend? And he's like, listen, I just took her to Burger King. At least she had time for me. And Monica's like, okay, so you fucked around to prove a point? And Quincy's like, no, I didn't, but you're so focused on yourself. It took me having another girl around for you to notice me. And she's like, okay, did I forget to kiss your ass like everyone else? And he's like, no, you forgot to be there. She tries to explain to him that it's like nothing personal. She had a curfew. She asked him what he was, what she was supposed to do. And he's like, stay. But it's this poll that we see in the movie, Love mm-hmm. and Basketball. Yeah. Like if she had stayed, she wouldn't have played. She wouldn't be starting right now. And she tells him that she never had to ask him to choose. Like she never made him mm-hmm. make the choice of her basketball, but he tells her that she never had to. And we get the same phrase that she said before. She's like, I'm a ball player. And she tells him that if anyone knows what that should mean, it should be him. So it's like a lot of dredged up feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, he's feeling neglected. She's feeling misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Basically, Monica starts to walk away, but he stops her. She asks him, how do I know next time you're feeling neglected? You won't just go running around. And like, if they're going to be together, she has to trust him. But he tells her that he's actually not looking for them to be together anymore. (sighs) And Monica gets like serious and she's like you know whatever happened whatever I did like we can fix it but Quincy tells her no and he tells her that he's gonna enter the draft and go pro and Monica is just so taken aback and it's just like like that's it like that is it Mm -hmm. for us like you're just going to drop it all and he's like it's not about us anymore it's about me Monica is crushed crushed yeah gosh there's there's so much like in this scene it's it's pretty crazy like even if you just look at their body language like as soon as he says i'm not asking for us to be together he steps away he creates like that physical space between them and one thing that i'm just thinking about now just looking at the words in front of me when he's talking about how he's going pro and he's like, mm-hmm. who knows where I'll end up. I think that's really him taking to heart what his dad said about being in the NBA where it's like, oh, the women become a part yeah. of the game. It kind of feels like when this riff becomes present between him and his father, mm-hmm. he lets go of the idea that he needs to be a good boy or that he needs to be honest, mm-hmm. you know, that he has to follow any moral direction. And I feel like yeah. – yeah, like him letting that go is him being like, yeah, I'm done with this relationship. Like, I can do whatever the fuck I want. 
If my dad mm-hmm. can do whatever the fuck he wants, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, and I think with like the the loss of that role model, he also abandons like kind of the whole life plan that he had before cuz that path that he was on was like playing basketball at school, being with Monica. It's like that was his whole trajectory mm-hmm. and once his whole worldview has shattered, he kind of burns everything to the ground. Yeah. And it oh, it's so heartbreaking and when he looks at her and he's like I'd still like for us to be friends. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Broke my heart. Just like Monica's face shattered me. And even after he says, you know, I'm not asking for that, and it cuts back to her, and she's just, like, broken. Mm -hmm. And even though she wasn't always able to show her love, like, she definitely has a hard time expressing herself and putting her heart on her sleeve. Like, she has always loved him, and it's never been a question about that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And, like, we we see that with how quickly she moves to, like, well, like, we can fix this, like, whatever I did, like, I'm willing to work on it, but he's not anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. This, I mean, this movie, it really is commendable how deep it dives into these relationships. Like, nothing is surface level. Yeah. And when you think of, like, your typical, like, romance movie, so much of the movie is, like, you waiting for these people to get together and a lot of the times like the reasons why they fall in love or like the connection that they have is a little more surface level but because this movie spans so many years and so much of it is like this middle part where they're actually together you really get to dive into like the nuances of their relationship and like why they are in love and also why it falls apart Mm -hmm. I think it's just like really smartly written and there's oh my like we could talk about this for like so many more hours than we are already because like there's so much to unpack. Oh, yeah. I think just like looking at it from the romance perspective, I mean, I date someone who is from my hometown and we've mm-hmm. had these like similar experiences and obviously you can like, you know, find a partner who is like your match like you feel so close to them but I do feel like because we've had like these similar experiences in the same Mm -hmm. town and we like we can talk like oh like oh my god do you remember going to like Les's dairy bar in high school after like whatever in the summer yeah that like shared experience yeah yeah and I think that's what they share and that's Mm -hmm. why they keep like coming back to each other because they're able to know at this person's core like who are you? Like, what are you mm-hmm. like? And they know that at their cores, like, they have so much love and admiration for one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were there for up till this point, all of their formative moments, like from age yeah. 11 onwards. So they really know, like, what has made each other into the people that they are now. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This movie is so good, you guys. Yeah, everyone watch it if you haven't seen it already or watched again. Yeah, definitely. So we head into our fourth and final quarter. <gasps> Whoa. It's 1993. Where are we? We're in Barcelona. The Barcelona streets. Oh my gosh. The fashion is the fashion and love is poetry. <laughs> Yep. Um, and guess what? Monica is now playing professionally. Ooh. 
She's playing on a European team. She's like a local celeb. We see her signing autographs for some kids as she goes into the gym. Yes. So she goes into the gym because it's game time. We see her coach give a very impassioned <laughs> speech in Spanish. It's like... Proximo años, proximo años, proximo años. Um, and then he's like, oh, I don't even know how to speak Spanish. How do you say now? Ahora años. Like, yeah. this is the year. Yeah. And then he's like, pass it to Monica. So she's clearly the star. Mm-hmm. She, you know, goes through the tunnels with her team. They're going to the court. And she runs into one of the opposing teammates. And who is it? Oh, my God. <gasps> It's Sidra. She's playing for the Italians. Yeah. Cut to their dinner after the game. Sidra and Monica go out to this nice restaurant, and we see the championship trophy on the table. But who won? It was Monica. It was of Monica. <laughs> and Sidra's like, can you get that thing off the table? And she's like, oh, this thing? I totally forgot it was here. Yeah. Um, and they see some, like, spicy Spanish men pass by and Citra's like so what are the guys like in Spain and Monica's like you know I don't even know and Citra's <laughs> like <"What?"> bitch <laughs> yeah Citra's like the Italian men are all over me and Monica is like do you ever think of going back to the US and Citra says sometimes but the alternative would be not playing because the WNBA doesn't exist yet Mm-hmm. And here they're treated like Hollywood stars. Like, you know, they have really great lives. They have these beautiful apartments. Monica's apartment is like gorgeous that we see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Citra says it doesn't get much sweeter than this. But the next thing we know, we go back to the US. We're in that same bar that we saw Quincy and Zeke at. And Zeke is by himself watching a Lakers game. And on the TV, They're like, oh, yeah, we got some players coming off the bench, like giving them a shot to get on the court. And Quincy is one of them. They're like, don't you love the Lakers giving their, you know, bench (laughs) members a little playing time? (laughs) Yeah. They talk about how he came out after his freshman year of college. It's now his fifth year in the league and he's been traded a ton. And they're hoping that he's finally like found his home at the Lakers. So Quincy is playing in the game. He ends up like going for a shot, slam dunk, gets it in. But when he lands on the ground, he he like falls on his knee and his ankle. And you just hear like a it's not good a crack, and he screams in pain and grabs his uh, knee. The next thing we know, we're in the hospital. Zeke arrives, and he runs into Nona. He tore his ACL, and Nona tells him that Quincy won't want to see him. But Zeke goes into the room anyway, and Quincy asks what he wants. And Zeke says that when he and his mom divorced, like it felt like Quincy Mm -hmm. divorced him too. So there's still a lot of unresolved issues between them. And Zeke tells Quincy that he can't get down on himself, and he knows that he left school as like a fuck you to him. And Quincy's like, oh, And now I'm paying for it, right? Is this an I told you so? But Zeke is like, listen, if you want me to fuck off, like I'll fuck off. But I want to say one thing before I leave. You're a better ball player than I ever was. But you got a lot of other things going for you. You're smart. I always knew you could do anything you wanted. You wanted to be a ball player. 
be a ball player. Just know you're not like everyone else on the court. You're not like I was. You've got options. That's all I ever tried to show you. Oh, my God. <sighs> yeah, he's still supportive of him. Like, he does want his son to to excel. And Hugh just takes it as, like, an insult. And he's like, you're still trying to tell me what I should and shouldn't do. How come you couldn't be the man you kept trying to make me? And he says, I just couldn't, son. It's hard because parents do want the best for their children. Like in a lot of scenarios, like you don't understand what your parents do. You feel Mm -hmm. like pissed off. But I like I know my parents are always trying to look out for me and trying to to make sure that I have the best life possible. But it's a hard thing to know, like. It's hard to just be like, your parents aren't Mm -hmm. omniscient. Like, they don't know all the right things to say. They don't know how to make you like a millionaire. Like, there are so many things that go into parenting and it's so hard. And Mm -hmm. even though what he did to Nona is really awful, like, he does want to be a good dad. Like, Mm -hmm. he always cared about Quincy. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I feel like everybody has a moment when you're growing up or like when you're more so into adulthood where you really start to see your parents as people, as like human mm-hmm. beings, you know, with whole lives that existed yeah. before you and that they they make mistakes yeah. and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And just seeing the the kind of complexities in, in Zeke, I really appreciate because I feel like a lesser movie would just limit his character to just kind of like a slimy cheating NBA dude, but getting to see this like huge amount of yeah. love and care that he has for his son, I feel like is far more interesting and it makes him a much more complicated character to either love or hate because mm-hmm. this is, you know, what people are like. There are, there's duality there. They live much more in a gray area than like this person is bad. This person is good. Yeah. And especially with parents who often don't get nearly as complex in our lives and, and backstories. I really appreciated getting to see these different sides of Zeke. Absolutely. So the next morning, Quincy is still in the hospital. He's leaving his little bathroom to kind of like limp back to his bed in his hospital gown. It's a hospital gown. So his ass is out um, <laughs> as yeah. you know, that's what happens. And of course, who comes in at that moment Monica. And he's, of course, very surprised to see her. He's like, I thought you were in Spain. And she's like, yeah, I was. Um, It's clearly the first time they've seen each other in years. And, you know, she kind of like ribs him about his facial hair. Like, oh, you finally could grow your peach fuzz. And he's like, oh, you're still trying to be the first girl in the NBA. And she's like, well, I tried sneaking in after college, but they found breasts during my physical. And he's like, funny, I never did. So the banter is still there after all this time. Absolutely. So she's like, you know, I can't believe it's been five years. And he's like, well, yeah, I actually tried calling you a couple times. I called you when you made first team All-American. And then I called again when Magic retired. Wow. Two really poignant points, I guess. And it's clear that she knows and she just ignored him. So he then asks when she's going back to Spain, but it turns out Monica quit and she's taking a break from basketball because it just isn't fun anymore. 
And then who walks in but Tyra Banks? <laughs> I could not believe my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Just like supermodel Tyra Banks. Yep. Hello. Tyra Banks enters. And she's like a flight attendant. She's wearing like a Virgin Atlantic uniform, which I did read that Virgin paid for all the flights to Spain so they could film there so long as Tyra wore their uniform in the movie. I mean, Tyra was like on top of the world at this point. She was yes, model extraordinaire. And, you know, she comes in, she kisses Quincy and helps him get back into bed. And Quincy introduces Monica to her and is like, oh, yeah, this is my fiance. What? Yeah. And Monica is like, oh, my God. Wow. Congratulations. I didn't know, but that's great. That's, that's so, so great awesome for, you. for you. I gotta go. I'll see you later. So she starts to leave the room and Quincy is like, Monica, I really appreciate you coming by. And Kira's like, yeah, we really appreciate it. And Monica's just like, <laughs> yeah, um, good luck with the knee and everything. And then leaves. So we go back to the right house and Camille is making some pie in the kitchen and Monica tells her mom that she went to go see Quincy and that he's engaged. And it turns out Camille was aware of this because she met Tyra Banks at a barbecue a few weeks ago and she says, you know, he could do a lot better. And Monica's like, what should I do? And Camille's like, buy them a wedding present. And Monica says, whatever, like disgusted, just super vile. Mm. And Camille's like, if you didn't want my opinion, why ask? And she asks her daughter what she wants her to tell her, like, go beat up the girl, go have sex with him. I'm not going to do that. Yes, I think decorum is important. And yes, I'd rather bake a pie than shoot a stupid jump shot. If that makes me too prissy for you, that's too damn bad. We get this insanely intense conversation mm -hmm. between Camille and Monica where Camille says that she always knew that Monica was ashamed of her. And Monica tells her this story about how once she spent all these hours cooking this really fancy meal and her and her dad got like their wires crossed and dad came home with pizza and she didn't say anything. And Monica tells her that she never stood up for herself. And if anything, that's what she was ashamed of. And Camille's like, that is ridiculous. And Monica tells her it's actually ridiculous that she didn't follow her catering dream so she could let her husband feel like a man. And Camille slaps her across the face mm -hmm. and asks if that is actually what she thinks about her. Uh, Camille is just reeling at this point. She mm -hmm. tells Monica that she had dreams, but then she got pregnant with Lena and then Monica and she put them on hold. And what actually stands out in her mind, like the day that she remembers is putting her mother's pearls on Monica for the spring dance and telling her that she was beautiful because she was. And that moment for her made her happier than any catering job ever could. And that's what she really came to care about, taking care of her daughters, yeah. being there for those moments, 
you know, being able to cook them three meals a day, that's what she truly valued. And Monica's like, I must have played in a thousand games and I only remember you at two. And Camille's like, you had your coaches and your dad for that. It never mattered if I was there, but Monica tells her that it mattered. And we can see like, uh, it's so, it's so hard to watch. And it's such a beautifully acted scene. Like Mm -hmm. Camille just feeling like this constant disconnect with her daughter Mm -hmm. and feeling like her daughter never respected her or Mm -hmm. cared for her. And Monica feeling like her mother never understood her and her mom didn't want to understand her when Mm -hmm. in actuality, both were like yearning for each other's approval and love. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have like full body chills at the moment. It's yeah. I think I teared up when this was oh, happening. Oh, for sure, it's, yeah. Yeah. Alfre Woodard is incredible. Like, she... Talented, so talented. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Completely broke my heart, this scene. It's just... Again, we we see the exact moments of, like, disconnect between these two characters, like we see yeah. with um, Monica and Quincy and, like, their breakup moment. And... What I really love about this movie is while it is a romance movie, the different types of we see like different types of love, you know? Yeah. Like we see these loving relationships between like parents, parent and child, and, like how that can either thrive or break down. Mm-hmm. And the way that that impacts the way that Quincy and Monica behave in their romantic relationships too, because everything is like so formative. Yeah. And like I kind of mentioned earlier on, in the episode how all Quincy wanted was to be like his dad and all Monica wanted was not to be like her mom Mm -hmm. while Quincy had his kind of like glass shattering moment was finding out that his father cheated on his mother. And Monica's glass shattering moment is this one in realizing how much her mother loves her and like the sacrifice Uh, that she made to care for her family. Yeah. Moms just get shit on. They do. Moms get shit on. And it's mm-hmm. so hard because they do so much for us. And yet, you know, I'm going to send my mom an edible arrangement. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so after this very intense, beautiful, heartbreaking moment, we get our really one and only montage of the movie where – um Monica goes to her childhood bedroom and she looks at all of like the basketball posters on the wall, old pictures of her and Quincy together. We see Quincy, you know, rehabbing his leg. He's training at the gym. Monica has now like fully moved home and has a job at her dad's bank. And while she's in her room, she sees Quincy and Tyra Banks packing up his old room, like all of his trophies and stuff. We see him running drills on the court and then him in his childhood bedroom looking at his trophies and then looking across the way into Monica's room. The next day, Monica gets home from work. She walks up the front lawn and like trips in her heels and Q comes up to her and they talk about how the wedding is in only two weeks And he invites her last minute. He's like, oh, I meant to invite you. But Monica's like, it's okay. I'm probably busy. And she mentions that, like, playing ball isn't fun anymore. And, you know, he asks her 
about that and says that he's kind of feeling that way too. And she says that he's just had a rough patch, like rehab isn't easy. But he tells her that he needed ball when he was trying to be like his dad. But now he's thinking of going back to school. Yeah. And Monica's really surprised at this because he was not into going to school when they were at USC. Mm-hmm. And Monica tells him that life is a trip. You see the life you want and it never crosses your mind that it's not going to turn out that way. And that was like <sighs> oh. pretty crazy for me to hear because yeah. I feel like at this point in the movie, they're pretty much our age. <laughs> yeah. And that's like a whole other can of worms I can't really bring yeah. up now, but I it is a poignant sentence. Don't have the emotional capacity to go into that at this current moment. I am emotionally, <laughs> my, I'm, my emotion uh, is at capacity. Yeah. Um, but, anyways, it, yeah, she's, she's definitely right. And mm-hmm. Q asks why she gave up ball, and Monica asks him why he cares. And Q is like, you know, I've never met anyone who loved ball as much as you did. And now you're trading it in for a pair of shoes you can't even walk in. But Monica just asks him to drop it. Yeah, this this is one of those moments when, like, the person that knows you better than you know yourself tells you something you're not ready to hear. Like, uh, another place that we see a scene very similar to this is Gilmore Girls. Why? Why did you drop out of Yale when just why rory yeah <laughs> why did you drop out of yale why did you drop out of yale? this isn't you uh, rory we have to do that episode oh we gotta we have we to. gotta let's get Jacques back on here yeah Jacques, if you're free let's do go my girls again but yeah no it's that's such a hard moment when you can't face something your, yourself and then this person who knows you so well points it out for you it's a really hard thing to not only hear but accept yeah So then later, maybe the weekend or something, I don't know, some time has passed. Mm -hmm. And um, Monica is out in the backyard with her mom and Lena and Lena's baby. Lena has a baby now. Very cute little baby. I want one. (laughs) Camille can see that Monica is struggling and she's kind of Mm -hmm. like despondent. So she goes over to her and she's like, you know, one of the things that drove me crazy about you but that I've always admired was the fight in you. Mm -hmm. And she says that when she said Quincy could do better, she was talking about Monica. Mm. So that night Monica can't sleep and she opens her window and walks over to Q's room and tells him that they need to talk. And she says that what was missing from basketball was him. And it's not fun for her anymore because he's missing. And she tells him that she's loved him since they were 11 and it hasn't gone away. And he's like, we haven't even talked since college. And like, you wait two weeks before my wedding to say something. Monica, like, doesn't really take that seriously. She still feels like they're on the same page in a way. Mm -hmm. And so she laughs and is like, yeah, I probably should have told you two weeks earlier. And he's like, wow, you still think the sun rises and sets with you, but it doesn't. And I was like, last last I remember, you were the cocky one. Mm-hmm. But sure. And Monica's like, you know, why are you so upset? Um, and he's just like, you don't pull this shit with someone who is about to get married. Yeah. And Monica's like, you know, better late than never. And 
Quincy just says no and starts to go back inside, but she stops him and she's like, I'll play you. He's like, what? She's like, one-on-one for your heart. For what? Your heart. heart. Oh my God. And Quincy is like, you're out of your mind. But she's like, listen, like, I know we both messed up in college and I should have been there for you. I just didn't know how to do that and care about basketball. And he's like, you know what? After my dad, I couldn't trust anyone. I felt really lost, but I've moved on. And she's like, prove it. You once said that the reason that I beat you was because you wanted me to. So if I win, it's because you know you're about to make the biggest mistake of your life. And he's like, if you lose, she's like, then I'll buy you a wedding present. (sighs) The stakes could not be higher. They could not be higher. So they go to um, the court, which I can't tell if it's like a court by them or if it's literally just like Quincy's backyard court. I think it's Quincy's court. Yeah. Yeah. And they agree to uh, basically their – Oh my gosh. The winner is the first one to make five baskets. Mm -hmm. So Monica actually makes the first two baskets pretty easily. And Q is apprehensive because he has like the brace on his knees still. He, he doesn't really fully trust his body like he used to. Mm -hmm. And eventually though, he takes off the brace so he can really play. And it starts to get to be a really, really tense game. (laughs) Dude, you just like, <sighs> dude. If I, if I was playing like a one-on-one game for a man's heart, and he starts playing the game of his life, I would absolutely cry and like crumble into it. But he went so hard. <laughs> Why you played so hard, man? Yeah. Oh my god, I would. Yeah, so never recover. He is. He is playing. He's back on the court, and it Mm. is tense. They get tied at four. Monica tries to make her fifth shot, but it rolls off the rim. Q rebounds. Monica tries to block him, but he dunks the ball. (sighs) And Q gets down from the dunk. You can see the tears in Monica's eyes. He tells her, all's fair in love and basketball. Monica starts walking away. She's holding back her tears. She doesn't want to let him see her cry. But as she walks off, Q tells her, wait, double or nothing. (laughs) And the crowd goes wild. (laughs) So she walks back over to him and they kiss and they embrace. Yeah, like it's cheesy, whatever. I don't care. I literally don't care. I yeah. do not care. Oh my gosh. It's it's iconic. This is like the scene of this movie. And this is the scene. Your heart. <laughs> they actually um spent two days filming it too. Um Wow. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure like every single move was like very precisely choreographed mm. in the game. Um and it's great because it builds the tension very well. I was extremely tense. While watching it. <laughs> Y'all, basketball is that intense. <laughs> Maybe you should try watching a game or something. If there's no romance involved, I don't want it. Sorry. <laughs> Damn. I, I I hear you there. Yeah. If Maybe if I come up with my own 
romantic backstory (laughs) for all the players. Then I'll enjoy it. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, big moment. They're together again. This was supposed to be the last scene of the movie when it was Mm -hmm. originally written because the WNBA was not a thing yet. But by the time it got made, it was. So we have our final scene. It's a L.A. Sparks game. And who do they call up to the court? Number 32, Monica Wright McCall. Oh, my gosh. She looks out into the crowd. Who's sitting there? Her trophy husband, Quincy, and their daughter. So cute. And he's like, say hi to mama. And like they wave at her. And she gets on the court and lives her dream. And that is love and basketball. Incredible. Shout out Cheyenne for this request because excellent film. Excellent movie. Oh, so, so good. It was hard for me to take notes because I would Mm -hmm. literally be like so enthralled in a scene. I'd have to just like pause at the end and go back and like take my notes. It was Mm -hmm. captivating. I think the casting was just so, so precise. Yeah. So good. And yeah, the full um, capacity, which with, which, sorry, which with we get to see Monica's life, mm-hmm. the relationship with her mother, the relationship with Q, the relationship with her basketball career. We even see like her relationship with her father and her relationship with her mm-hmm. sister as well. And um, I think it's just this amazing profile of this woman with such determination and drive mm-hmm. um, and someone you can really like look up to and yeah. kind of see in yourself. And I feel like as I'm making like more adult decisions and Mm -hmm. like you know these are just the stories that I like feel like relate relatable Mm -hmm. that are relatable and I think like yeah it was just a really beautiful profile of this woman oh totally yeah I mean I think this is a shining example of writing what you know like it's so clear oh yeah for sure like that um this is so deeply connected to Gina's life. And I did read actually when she originally wrote the script, she was actually a lot harsher on like the mother character. Mm. Um, but through writing her, cause it's, it's based on her mother. She started to understand her own mother more. I can't hear that. I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah. And like, start you know she kind of went through the same arc that we see monica go through in her own life through writing and i think it's such a testament to like how powerful art is especially in like processing your own stuff whether it's like you making your own art or even just like consuming other art but Mm -hmm. no like you can tell just how much heart is in this movie and i think that's why it still remains so important and iconic to this day because so many people were able to see themselves and their relationships Mm -hmm. in this movie that had not been on screens before. Yeah. And like, there's so many nuances to it that I will never be able to see and never be able to appreciate. Yeah. But I think that anybody and everybody can get something. Wow. I'm getting like very emotional saying this right now. Anybody can get something from this movie, whether it's about romantic love or about familial love. 
it's love yeah and it's basketball two of my favorite things <laughs> yeah and and i think like having basketball as a framework to explore all of these different relationships is such a great tool yeah because the intensity of sport matches the intensity of love mm-hmm. uh, this just makes me want i'm gonna send an edible arrangement to my mother mm-hmm. and i also need to see uh a liberty game. Yeah. Well, that being said, yeah. What would you like to rate our third rom-com? Oh my goodness. Um I think I am giving Love and Basketball 9 boxes of chocolate. And I think I am eating probably 5 boxes of chocolate. I was also going to rate it 9 boxes of chocolate. Also, just even passion like love wise mm-hmm. like relationship yeah this movie is fucking steamy it is yeah we like didn't yeah. really talk about it a ton because there's so much like dialogue to talk yeah. about but like their chemistry is oh insane off the charts. yeah off the charts and like sometimes with real life couples it doesn't really translate like when they work together because that kind of mm-hmm. like tension is already broken but that's not the case here at all no yeah I would also give it nine boxes of chocolate. And I want to say, like, I'm eating, like, one box of chocolates, but only because I'm, like, I'm, like, going to have the chocolates, like, eaten off of me. Mmm. Yeah. Sensual. Yeah. Yeah. I paused this movie at one point. I was like, Phil, like, isn't that really, like, steamy? Like, doesn't that make you, like, you know – does that make you want to play a game of strip basketball? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Well, everybody, go watch Love and Basketball. Highly recommend. Oh, yeah. We loved I it. Recommend. I also recommend, like, any of Spike Lee's films. Mm-hmm. Um, really great filmmaker. Yeah. Even though he's a Knicks fan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Have to let it slide. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We have one more rom-com left. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I'm very excited. It's your listener pick that you voted for. And y'all picked some, like, really – I mean, all the movies that y'all picked, like, Mm -hmm. were so good. Yeah. Um, Except for a couple stinkers, but, like, it's all good. (laughs) We can't all be perfect, but. (laughs) (laughs) But those who picked the right answer weren't. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the vote, it literally, it came down to three votes separating the winner from the runner-up. And let me tell you, I was shocked. I was shocked by how many votes the runner-up got. I had no idea there were so many fans of that movie out there. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, we will see you next week for the end of Rom-Com February and heading into our next theme month. Yes. Uh, Maybe we'll reveal the theme month at the end of next week's episode. Yes, I think we should. And if you want to get, you know, some more content, some sneak peek of what's coming next, where can you follow us? Oh my God, on Instagram. It's Movies That Raised Us. You can also follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. And we have a pop in TikTok. Um, you can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us pod. Or you can email us, Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. You know, get your thoughts on paper. Send mm-hmm. us a love letter. Ask mm-hmm. us for help in your life. And maybe we'll give you advice that you take or you won't take. Yeah. And... 
I'm Mo. And I'm Christina. And our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.